Okay. Welcome to the podcast, Why on Earth Would I Gamify My Classroom? This is for teachers of all grade levels and will be about the ins and outs of gamifying your classroom. Some parents and students may also want to listen in to see what's going on in the world of education these days. I'm Michelle Watron, a grade eight teacher at Claiborne Middle School, and I'm so lucky to live and teach in one of the most amazing places on earth, which is beautiful Abbotsford, British Columbia, Canada. And it's also considered part of the traditional and unceded territory of the Stolo people, the Seth Math First Nation and Matsqui First Nation. And I'm grateful to enter this podcast and work with an open heart. Now, before we get to our very special guest today, I just wanted to remind our listeners that when we use the term gamification, it means integrating game playing elements such as point scoring, competition, collaboration with others, rules of play, sometimes leaderboards, sometimes badges, leveling up, all kinds of things like that, putting that all into our classrooms for things that we already do, such as having kids turn in homework and receiving experience points. Now, there are pre-made platforms out there that do this for teachers and for classrooms, or teachers can just make up their own scoring system through spreadsheets that are sometimes called trackers. So that's kind of what we're talking about when we talk about gamifying our classroom. Now, I'm very excited to talk to our guest today. He was a very creative instructor of mine at Vancouver Island University, and I took a class from him called Mobile Learning and, wait for it, Gaming. This was my first exposure to what teaching and gamification could be like in a classroom. Today, we have Greg Lewis with us zooming in from Qualicum. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, French Creek, Qualicum Beach. Yeah. Okay, good. And I really, really liked his class because he emphasized how learning can and should have an element of fun to it. So a little bit more about Greg. Prior to Vancouver Island University, he spent 17 years teaching at the secondary level, and he taught online courses for School District 69, which is in Qualicum. He has taught History 12. He's been a network administrator and a halftime librarian at Bellinas Secondary School. My husband uh, is a football coach, and they always played Bellinas. So That's we- right. We know Bellinas. You guys are good at football. Yeah. And in the past year, he took on a role of technology support teacher. And he's on the teaching and learning team where he works with K to 12 students and teachers in using technology in and out of the classroom. In 2010, he graduated from the Master's of Education Technology program at UBC and also as a Bachelor's of Education from the University of Victoria. He's very active in professional development for colleagues and has given sessions on blogging, wikis, and using learning management systems, a lot of it's Moodle, to assist both students and teachers. So Greg, thanks so much for joining us, and I can't wait to hear your creative and inventive ideas in the world of gamification. Thanks for having me, Michelle. It's, uh, it's great to you know, talk about this sort of stuff. It's, it's an area of interest of mine for quite a while, and I think it's, it's a great way to engage kids uh, on different levels and a lot of students respond to it that might not otherwise. So it's, I think it's very current and it's, it's, it's a new way of teaching in a way. So it's kind of nice. Right. Yeah, totally agree. Now, one thing you and I have decided to focus on is James Paul Gee's 11th game based learning principle. I learned about him in your class and he is really the guru of all gurus. I think when it comes to game based learning, 
Um, and his 11th principle says something about good game-based learning is pleasantly frustrating for students. And that really stuck with me. Today, we'll dig down to find out some ways gamification can help make learning pleasantly frustrating at different levels of learning, otherwise known in the lingo, teaching lingo as differentiation, right? And adaptations. We will also touch on universal design for learning as we discuss differentiation via gamification. So Greg, so when James Paul Gee says game-based learning is pleasantly frustrating, what do you think he meant? APG, yes. Uh, thanks for the intro, Michelle. Thanks for the kudos. You know, in terms of uh, Guy, or, and he's considered the godfather, he's been around, he's been writing since the early 2000s, and still a lot of his ideas are just so solid around that. But I think he'd say that pleasantly frustrating refers to making the learning via the game so that it frustrates a student enough to challenge them, but it's easy enough that they feel or they believe anyways, that they can overcome the problem they're, they're facing. Notice that it's the student's belief rather than what might actually happen, but it's really important that they think that, you know, they could do this. Learning's at its best when there's a problem where the student feels challenged and that there will be some form of accomplishment at the end. And that if the student works at it enough, they will solve the problem. He uses a term called a regime of competence which means you know that you can do it. Well-designed games keep the player challenged at the edge of this, which sounds easier than it is. And if you were to talk to a real game designer, they'd, they'd say that, and they do a lot of uh, surveying and having players play to kind of fine tune that. Anyways, lastly, if the player is challenged enough and immersed enough, uh, he or she might attain a phenomenon called flow, where time sort of uh, ceases to exist or means nothing, and they're fully involved in solving that problem, uh, which might mean beating the game or the boss or whatever in order to level up or or, or get points or, or something like that. But you really do, and as a, as a gamer myself, I don't play as much as I used to, but man, I used to, you know, two, three in the morning, I'd drag myself to bed and just you lose track of time. It's, right. it's pretty cool. Right, right. So to get that level of flow as a gamer on a video game would get where they would spend hours on a certain level and not realize they're spending an hour on that level. That's what we're we're trying to simulate in our classrooms. Yeah. 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 Okay, good. So how can gamification create learning opportunities that are pleasantly frustrating to students when they're all, well, a lot of them are at different learning levels? Yeah, not an easy thing to do for any teacher, really. But uh, so for me, gamification is the use of game mechanics in, in like you said, non-game environments, like a school classroom or an activity that was not really designed originally as a game. A learning management system like Moodle or a website are examples. You're trying to add game-like elements to learning that basically could be fairly straightforward, perhaps even repetitious and boring for some. You're trying to motivate and engage students based on competition. That can be either with themselves or others in a group. Game mechanics are things like levels, leveling up. Uh, you might have a boss level battle at the end where you put into practice what you have learned in order to defeat, quote, the boss. Uh, also, there's, there's immediate feedback. That is a huge, huge advantage that games, well-designed games have. Uh, it's a biggie where players are able to adjust their strategy or their approach based on what the computer system tells them. 
or better yet, hints them. Mm. And that's kind of cool because you might get this little caption or thought bubble where they say something and it might appear to be random, but it's actually kind of pushing them in the right direction to, so that they would get, oh, I don't know, a power or they might get uh, a certain weapon or they might get a strategy that would help them to defeat the boss. And that's, mm -hmm. that's really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Points, badges, leaderboards, PBL, also examples of game mechanics that can be used to draw in students. If a student doesn't achieve enough points, the game might tell them how they could in order to level up, mm -hmm. or they might suggest or hint where they might go in order to find what they need. Mm -hmm. Now, that is via what we call commercial off-the-shelf games. Um, these things have huge budgets and folks that think about the learning and the player-student and you know, it's not typically what you and I are going to do, mm -hmm. but most well-designed games allow for different playing levels right off the start. They'll allow students to choose harder, less challenging paths, and they could do that right throughout the game, which allows players to kind of challenge themselves or scale it back. Uh, the game might provide quests, challenges that allow for success using several levels that let almost all the students achieve uh, success. Great. Yes, that's awesome. So now if we back up a little bit to remind our listeners, a quest in gamification is really simply a unit of study plugged into a student's gamification system, however that might look. When a class is gamified, it usually includes students going on some type of quest as they work through the competency or curriculum of the course. Now, uh, for my listeners, Greg is advising me on my graduate project as we speak. I'm in the middle of building a quest for my grade eight students. And in my quest, I've tried or I have given different paths that they can take to be successful. So what are your thoughts as we've worked together? You've been such a great guide. What are your thoughts on the importance of giving students choice in how they learn and how they show their learning? First of all, uh, the work you've been doing is excellent. It's just very cool to see that put into practice. Kudos Thank to you. Thank you. I can't imagine not giving some form of agency or the ability to choose and then carry out that choice in various ways to students around assignments and their learning. Having agency means the student's actively involved in their own learning and that there are different ways of achieving the same product or work. If I'm presented with a variety of ways of carrying out an assignment as a student, there's a better chance that one of my choices fits well with how I learn. Maybe I'm a visual learner, auditory, kinesthetic, you know, that sort of thing. And so my work should be better overall because I'm motivated by having choice and by being able to complete assignments in various ways, ways that I could be really comfortable with. Students should be able to show their learning in a way that speaks to them. If you box them in and you only provide one or two ways that might not be enough, and the student might hate, as in hate, having to show their work or, or learning that way. It's simply not motivational to say, do this as I have presented and demonstrate your competency in the way that I tell you to. That's right. not 21st century learning. Mm -hmm. And it will discriminate against some students. And, you know, in my mind, in a public education system, I think, I think we can do better and just, you know, allow them to show us their learning in different ways. And we need to be okay and, and accept that. Yeah, yeah. This reminds me of one uh, scenario I had last year where I had a student who had a much slower processing speed than his classmates. 
And it was interesting to watch him really kind of wrestle with some of the assignments that we had. I did adapt for him. But what I found was when he did wrestle with the content, what he would produce in a much longer deadline, it was usually more in depth than what some of his other classmates produced in the you know prescribed amount of time. You know, that's kind of like the wide and shallow versus the narrow and deep, right? And yeah. uh, I also, you know, over the years, I've had a couple of students that it was almost painful to try not to give the answer or to help them out or whatever. But invariably, they came up with some pretty deep views or, or look at whatever. And it was less work, um, maybe in terms of the amount of the product than others. But, you know, in my mind, it didn't have to be. And, and yet what they showed me was, was really great quality. So I got over the quantity and I kind of looked at the quality. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, and gamification is good for that. Now at the beginning, we talked about universal design for learning or UDL for short, and as an approach to teaching and learning that gives students equal opportunity to succeed. That's kind of what we've been talking about here. How do you think gamification provides students with equal opportunity to succeed? Universal design for learning, it means options for students. So you have multiple means of engagement. So how am I going to motivate, hopefully, all my students? You have uh, multiple means of representation. So how do I, the teacher, represent or show content to students? There's a bunch of different ways. And finally, multiple means of action and expression. So how is a student able to show their learning? That's what we were kind of talking about before. Right. Gamification on its own might not do this. And some students don't always respond well to competitive type games that are out in the open where everybody uh, can see what others are doing. Uh, Kahoot's a great example of that. Some people will love it and, you know, they're fully engaged in others. That just isn't their bag. Right, um, right. You know, sometimes you can do the teams thing, which kind of evens things out a bit. Which I, I, I learned that in your class because I love Kahoot. I'm, I'm really uh, blessed maybe with a really quick reaction yeah. and I get the answers and I usually am on the leaderboard. So I love it. But in your class, we did Kahoot and I, and I was on the leaderboard and then I messed up and I got off of it. And then for the rest of the game, I was like in 11th place and I hated it. And it may, it was great for me to see that. Like not all yeah. the kids are having a good time when we're playing Kahoot. Well, I'll be the first to admit, and, and they called me out on it later on. You know, what you really want with Kahoot is objective answers because any sort of subjectivity, you're just going to get roasted. But <laughs> I had a, a, a student a couple of years before you, I think, well, and she had never played Kahoot. And the music and the pace, oh. she she got so tense and upset. It was almost too much for her. Wow. And of course, I felt really, really bad. But uh, it like just almost- was something that you and I would probably, we'd be like, yeah, yeah you know, yeah, and get in yeah, there and yeah. really compete. But for yeah. her, it was overwhelming. Like so overstimulated like, yeah. almost, right? Too yeah, much exactly. That's exactly yeah. what she said. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah. So that was a that was a really good exercise in your class and putting me on the other side of things. And I mean, I think there is a place for Kahoot and it's fun, but maybe not every, you know, no. maybe not too much. Don't overdo it. Let me just finish up here. Um, so having options to do like your personal best or improve on where you at is is sort of one option. Right. Um, the game or the quest might be set up so that the student does this on his or her own. 
uh, or privately, while at the same time, you know, maybe competing against the system or the teacher's requirements rather than other students. And I think some people kind of like that. Gamification should always be combined with methods where students can attain points or levels in a lot of different ways that sort of leverage the thinking of UDL. And this takes a hell of a lot of work. And it's definitely what I'd call front end loaded, where you have to kind of put all those options out there, kind of like a smorgasbord, you know, and and allows them to pick. But it pays dividends on the back end. And certainly if you were going to do it again with another class, it'll, you know, work there as well. Right. But if you give the student a certain amount of choice in how they're going to attain those points, and it is related to effort time spent on, uh, then you increase the chance that all students will be successful and engaged. In other words, all roads lead to Rome, but it's really up to the teacher to provide many different types of roads. And it's up to the student to choose the road or the, or the quest path that they're going to take. Right, right. That's great. What are your own experiences with gamification? What, or, or maybe what are your plans for gamification in your classroom? So actually, um, you got me thinking tonight and we're just, we're a little bit behind some other districts in terms of using Minecraft education. You have to put a PIA or privacy impact assessment right. and it's a big document and hopefully that'll be ready to go for September in my district. I would really like to start using that in my role as a, sort of a district technology support teacher to sort of teach with. So that's one thing. And Classcraft actually is another that I'd like to kind of explore with some other teachers and see how that goes. Oh, good. Anyways, several years ago, I used to use a game called Civilization 4 and Minecraft Education uh, to allow for choice or path and to allow for representing the students learning in many different ways. I was teaching Social Studies 9, And at the time we did uh, this project, the various indigenous groups across Canada, where we looked at geography, food, clothing, housing, and social structure. I wanted a way for some of my less engaged teen boys and anybody else to show their learning via the computer. So I used Minecraft and it had a mod where the student built sort of this biome, if you like, or, or whatever, using the affordances of Minecraft to create their sort of indigenous vision of, of all those areas, right? Wow. Yeah, rather than a poster or or a physical diorama, which some love, but one guy took to it immensely and he produced something that was really, really cool. Mm. It's probably the only thing he did all year, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. I was able to also use Minecraft in my middle ages unit last year. Some of the kids chose to build castles in Minecraft and just went to town. Like you said, they just love it. Don't they? Amazing. And and that's the type of thing that they will go home Mm -hmm. and spend hours. Like I can see some of them actually getting into flow over that. And I've, I've looked at some of the amazing, basically architecture that they either emulate copy or mm-hmm. do their own mm-hmm. and it's it's just it's like wow yeah yeah and they even you know were adding things that we had learned about little different draw bridges and and the little the holes that they would pour the oil or hot yeah, water, yeah the know, hot yeah. oil <laughs> yeah i forget the names of them but they they incorporated all those things we had learned and i i like you our district doesn't have minecraft education approved So I just said to my students, I said, well, if you can figure out how to do it and then take a video of it and send me the video, uh, you're good to go. And I think anytime 
a student can screencast or record themselves or whatever you want, uh, especially in their own space and time, that is such a win for us because I get why we're supposed to do things the way we are, but when they're on their own, it just gives them some options again that they might really sort of take to and, and what they produce, you and I are usually like, wow, this is excellent. Oh yeah. I could never do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> okay. So as we kind of wrap up here, uh, what other advice would you give teachers listening who may want to make their own pleasantly frustrating lessons as we head back into the classroom? So at the end of the day, we need to push a certain amount of content or learning outcomes. Mm -hmm. That's our job. Mm -hmm. Try to marry that with giving students choice, motivating them via points, levels, avatars, clothing, powers, characteristics. Think about what they value in life. Because honestly, when they dress up an avatar, they change it or whatever. uh, Think about the cell phone accessory or the clothes or whatever. Right. Right. Is it a perfect fit and will it inspire, motivate all? No, Uh, I don't think I've run into any single teaching tool or strategy that does, Mm -hmm. but it will make for a better learning experience and it'll draw in more students that might not be engaged otherwise. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Be willing to try and fail Mm -hmm. and revise and and tinker and try again. Mm -hmm. Each class or cohort's not the same and what might work with one may not resonate well with another. That's just the way it is. Right. Games and gamification type environments can cost money. That's a drawback for sure. But there are some good quality educational games with solid free platforms, such as what Classcraft offers. Michelle, you're much more of an expert with this, and I am trying it with the master's class coming up September, and we're going to see how things go. But I'm willing to put into practice what I talk about, and I want others to see what this looks like and, and get some ideas and then make tweaks for their own teaching situation. Oh, that's great. Just think about the grade level. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't use a gamification of my classroom type situation unless they were grade four or older. I think we want to let kids be kids and be younger. And certainly you can use gamification type activities for sure with any level. But if I was going to gamify my classroom or make an overt effort throughout Mm -hmm. the year, I think I'd wait. Until uh, they're a little, you know, we want them to be young and organically play without those extrinsic rewards. Right, right. And in episode two, I talked to Geneva Stanbridge, who is an eBus elementary online teacher. She had the same advice. She's starting to gamify in grade six. And she said, you know, at that point, they seem to be able to work on their own and take ownership of some of the gamification ideas that we have. You know, and, and you brought up a really good point. Um, Whenever you're working online, the younger the student, the more the parent has to be involved. Mm -hmm. There's kind of this inverse relationship. And so some of those younger grades, they can't do it without an adult. And so if you want them to sort of do something on their own, you have to wait till they're of a certain age or they can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great. So, Greg, is there anything else uh, I should ask or anything uh, you want to add to this before we say goodbye? No, I I've just really enjoyed seeing what I talked about put into practice and you've, you've done an excellent job. And now I'm looking at that and seeing how I can leverage that or use that or, you know, kind of show my next master's crew. That's awesome. And I know I felt very pleasantly frustrated many times throughout this master's project for sure. So that's uh, it's working for me, I guess. There you go. Well, thanks so much, Greg. 
for yeah, joining us. And thank you again for all those insights, all those uh, nuggets of advice you've given us. I, I just want to say before we say goodbye, you know, for a teacher out there that might be a little overwhelmed at the thought, maybe just try it with one unit, just one unit yeah. of study the first year, and then see how that goes and see what works for you. And like Greg said, what you need to tweak or what might work better if you try it again the next time. But with that front end loading, once you do build that platform of gamification, it's there for your next year or your next semester, whatever the case may be. And uh, it's, it's a really rewarding thing. Great, great. Okay, well, thanks again, Greg. I'll just end by saying this has been another episode of Why on Earth Would I Gamify My Classroom? And I'm Michelle Watrin. Please make sure to do the best thing you can as a teacher, and that is to take care of yourself. Until next time.